You're listening to AIB Market Talk with our latest financial market update. Hello and welcome to our weekly AIB Market Update on Tuesday the 8th of September. I'm Jane Kavner from our Corporate Treasury team and I am joined this week by AIB's Chief Economist Oliver Mangan to discuss recent financial market developments. We have a lot to discuss today in a short time and in particular with regard to a huge week in the UK. We'll return our attention to the dollar first. Good morning, Ollie. Good morning. Last week, we saw the euro briefly flirt with 120 for the first time since 2018. However, following some better than expected data from the US, coupled with disappointing data from Europe, the pair is somewhat steadied again. Tell me, Ollie, what drove the move last week to 120? And moreover, what can our customers expect this week? Yeah, there was a major policy shift announced in the States by the Federal Reserve last week. Basically speaking, they're going to, in terms of their policy settings, they're going to put more focus on improving the labour market, allowing employment to grow, the economy to grow strongly, and less focus on inflation. Now, one of the reasons for that is the Fed have recognised that over the last decade, the unemployment rate in the US fell to a 50-year low of 3.5%, and that's where it was pre the COVID crisis. But inflation didn't pick up to the 2% target. Inflation remained struggling below 2%. Now, that's obviously global trade factors at work, global disinflationary pressures, etc. But they pointed out, and it's quite unusual for a central bank, that this period of very low employment, full employment that the economy enjoyed had very beneficial effects for the economy and the labour market as a whole, particularly those on low to middle incomes. And it noted that over the next cycle, it thinks that inflation will remain low again. So thereby, it feels that we reached for unemployment in the last cycle. We got unemployment down to 3.5% 50-year lows, and it didn't generate inflation pressures, that we can do that again. So what it clearly said was that we will allow the U.S. economy to move back to full employment without the need to increase interest rates to prevent the signs of overheating or inflationary pressures emerging in the economy. And what that implies is that interest rates are going to be maintained at their current very low levels, they're virtually zero, for a long period of time, even if a robust recovery takes hold in the U.S. economy. And they're also prepared to allow inflation rise above 2% for a period of time. They're moving, rather than just a 2% Pacific target, they're now going to look at inflation as an average 2% rate over a period of time. So if inflation is well below 2%, which it is at the present time likely to remain there, they're quite happy for it to rise somewhat above 2%, and it will be an average 2% rate then over a period of time. So even if the economy got to full employment, it doesn't necessarily mean that interest rates would rise. So what... It reinforces that message the central banks have been delivering, which is rates are going to remain low for a long period of time. And they've changed their policy framework to implement that going forward. Now, low rates are obviously not great news for a currency, and, and that's what triggered some of the dollar weakness. And as you said, the euro briefly touched 120, but it retreated from that later on in the week. I think it's important to say two things about the 120 level. Firstly, Ever since the ECB moved to negative interest rates back in 2014, the euro has only moved above the 120 level on one occasion back in 2018 and then for just a short period of time. So it has been unable to sustain levels above 120 over the last six years. The second thing, and it's important to bear this in mind as well, is the market is currently very, very short the dollar, extremely short the dollar, which makes it very hard again for the euro to rise above that 120 level. So as you say, it looked at 120, briefly tested it, and then it moved back down to 118. Better data in the US, weaker data in the eurozone, partly responsible for that. But I do think on a longer term basis, this is not great news for the dollar, the fact that the Fed is prepared to keep rates low for a long period of time and also tolerate higher inflation. 
in the immediate future as a guide i think you know that, that 120 level will be very hard to overcome particularly with the markets short the dollar further down the line what my triggers well we've presidential elections coming up in the states we could have a regime change in washington in the new year that may weigh on the dollar and secondly you know the dollar does benefit from uncertainty and nervous markets and if we saw a vaccine developed next year for, for the coronavirus that would take a large element of the uncertainty out of the markets and would be negative for the dollar. So they're the type of things maybe next year that might trigger fresh attacks on the 120 level and see the euro breach that level. Thanks, Ari. You're talking there about the big change in policy from the Fed. The ECB, of course, then are meeting this week as well. And while we're not expecting any change in policy, should we be prepared potentially for some event risk following the press conference? Should they be asked if they might potentially mirror the stance taken by the Fed? Yeah, as you said, the ECB made big policy announcements over the summer and their QE program now is large scale and has been put in place until next June. So they've played most of their cards and rates are already minus 0.5% and they're reluctant to move them down below that. I think what you might look out for is two things. One is that the euro has been strengthening over the summer. And secondly, inflation in the eurozone has gone negative. It's not near 2%. It's actually gone negative, reflecting the impact of the coronavirus on economic activity, dollar pressure on oil prices, etc. And a strong currency adds to those deflationary pressures. So I think you can expect questions from Madame Lagarde, the, the president of the ECB, in regard to what do you think of the strength of the currency? Is that making your inflation target even more difficult to achieve? And also, are you going to follow the Fed's line here in terms of keeping rates at their current very low levels for a long period of time? I think her answer to that is going to be that the ECB is actually engaged in a policy review itself. And the results of that are not expected until next year. So I think she'd be saying that she won't preempt the outcome, that all issues will be examined. We're also having a policy review, but I don't think she'd be in a position to answer those questions on Thursday. So probably... I wouldn't say there's major risk for the euro around that, but you might just give a steer in terms of the strength of the euro being a concern in terms of making it more difficult for it to reach its inflation target, especially when the inflation rate is negative. So there might be some comments around the euro that if there are comments, it would be to weaken the euro, if anything. Thanks, Sally. Turning our attention to the UK, Brexit talks have plunged into a crisis following stark threats from the UK that they may effectively override the divorce deal. This is a startling turn of events with some potentially serious ramifications, especially concerning Northern Ireland. Yeah, the FT had a story on Monday. There's an internal UK markets bill to be published tomorrow, Wednesday. And there's some speculation that could eliminate parts of the legal text of the withdrawal agreement or override it, including state aid and Northern Ireland customs. And it would undermine, if you like, the withdrawal agreement that's been put in place between the UK and the EU last year. Now, having said that, I watched the TV coverage over the weekend and there was a lot of, I would say, sabre-rattling on the UK side. What it indicates, I think, is that we're coming to the, the key point of the trade talks between the EU and the UK. And in fairness, Boris Johnson said, you know, the key date here is the European Council meeting on the 15th of October. And we really need to have some agreement in place by then for that council meeting if we're going to get a deal done and allow sufficient time for it to be implemented and put in place over the remainder of the year. So I think what we're entering is the crucial phase of the talks. The UK is signaling that's going to take a very hard line. 
a lot of the rounds, uh, the main point at issue here is around state aid rules. So it's not so much the Northern Ireland border, customs, or even fisheries rights. I can see ways out of that. The key issue is around a level playing field for trade, and in that regard, state aid rules. And what that means is the ability of the UK to independently assist its industries in any way or shape that it sees fit to do so. And the EU is concerned about that, feeling that the UK could undercut European companies if they were being subsidised or held by the UK government. So at, at the same time, the UK government said, we're, we're now a sovereign nation, we're not bound by EU rules, so sovereign nations can do this. The EU is saying, well, you're a big economy right beside us, you've just left the EU, we'd be very reluctant to give you open access to our markets if you've a completely different set of rules around state aids in particular. So I think that's the key discussion item. And it's difficult to see how that will be resolved. But again, markets remain relatively calm. I mean, as you say, the news over the weekend and the story in the FT on Monday morning did see sterling weaken the euro rose back up towards 90p in early trading at the start of the week from 89. But it's still well within the trading ranges we've seen over the summer, which has been 89 to 92p. But I do think, you know, the market's view is think back to 12 months ago and we were in this position also where the UK would not agree to a withdrawal agreement, was making noises in regard to we'll walk away, we'll opt for WTO rules, trading rules, if needs be. And then in October, an agreement was very quickly concluded. And obviously the Irish teacher at the time, Leo Varadkar, had a key role in that. So the markets think that there could be a lot of sabre rattling again in September posturing by the UK government. A lot of what we're seeing could be negotiating tactics, trying to get the best deal possible. But come October, that they will do a deal again with the EU to avoid having to move to WTO trading rules, which would mean quotas, it would mean tariffs, it would mean non-tariff barriers, and deal a very severe blow to the UK economy. So, but I think what it does, I think, really highlight the loud noises being made by the UK side in particular, Monsieur Barney's exasperation, I think is the best way I can describe it on the EU side, is that we are now entering the critical phase of the talks. And if a deal is going to be done, it's probably going to be done in the next six weeks and probably in the first couple of weeks in October. But as we've highlighted on a number of occasions, from these sort of levels, we don't think there's much upside for sterling because any deal is going to be a minimal trade deal to avoid tariffs largely and avoid quotas. On the other hand, if there's no trade deal and we're heading for trading with the UK on WTO rules, that would have very negative implications for the UK economy and indeed the Irish economy and would likely see sterling fall very, very sharply. And as we know from recent history, be it after the referendum result, the surprise referendum result back in 2016, be it earlier on in the year at the height of the coronavirus impact on financial markets, sterling can fall very sharply in a short period of time. And we saw back in 2009-2010 during the financial market crisis. So what we've been saying quite clearly in recent weeks is there's little enough upside here for sterling if there's positive outcome to the trade negotiations, which we all hope there will be, but there could be considerable downside for it if the negotiations collapse and the UK is effectively heading for a hard Brexit at the start of next year. Thanks, Ari. Yeah, we're certainly heading towards the business end of negotiations now over the next five and a half weeks in terms of the talks. It will be potentially a big roller coaster ride for Sterling. Okay, Ali, many thanks for the update and a big thanks to all our customers and listeners for joining us on this week's podcast. To stay up to date with latest market developments, please subscribe to AIB's Market Talk and the podcast apps for iOS or Android. For those customers impacted by the pandemic, you can find details of AIB's support packages at aib.ie forward slash COVID-19.
Thanks for listening to the latest edition of AIB Market Talk. Allied Irish Bank's PLC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. First Trust Bank is a trademark of AIB Group UK PLC, authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority. Allied Irish Bank GB and Allied Irish Bank GB Savings Direct are trademarks used under licence by AIB Group UK PLC, authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority.